0: From Miami Law, I'm Annette Ugez, and this is The Explainer.
1: So this is one of the most dynamic times I've ever seen in education in terms of admission to law school and admission to the bar.
0: Thanks for joining us for the first episode of season 12 of the Miami Law Explainer, a legal affairs podcast where Miami law experts lend context and historical relevance to today's headlines. Major changes are coming to legal education. With JD Next approved as an alternate to the LSAT and the Next Gen Bar Exam, a shorter test focusing on eight foundational concepts and principles, Miami Law Dean David Yellen weighs in on the pros and cons. Let's go to executive producer Catherine Skip with the interview.
2: Thanks for kicking off the season with us with episode 151.
1: 151. Impressive number. Great great to be here. <laughs>
2: thanks. Thanks. Um, so let's talk about the next JD Next, Next NextGen. Um, so how momentum are these changes or shifts in the legal in the landscape of legal education?
1: Yeah. So this is one of the most dynamic times I've ever seen in education in terms of admission to law school and admission to the bar. JD Next is this new tool that a few dozen schools have started using for admissions purposes. And then at the other end, the next gen bar exam is on the horizon, which uh, holds major changes in potentially in bar admissions.
2: So when will we start seeing these in, enacted and and what are they and, and what deficiencies are they targeting to address? Yeah, well, let's start
1: with uh, JD Next, which is both a course and a test that uh, some schools, including us here at Miami, are now making available if students want to use that in admissions. Every law school is required to use an admissions test of some kind. By the way, law is the only field where the accrediting body requires the use of an admissions test. If you go to med school, it's just up to the med school whether you are required to take an admissions test. Mm -hmm. And so this is a topic for another day um, (laughs) because I'm not in favor of that requirement. But look, the LSAT, the, the most traditional test is a very good test in terms of predicting success in the first year of law school. Uh, But there are problems with the LSAT. Most notably, it favors people of uh, affluent economic backgrounds, like all standardized tests. So it has a disparate impact based on race and socioeconomic status. The folks uh, who developed JD Next took a different approach and said, rather than having a generalized test of that type, can we measure people's ability to learn what it takes to be a law student? So hence the course part of it. JD Next basically teaches a mini version of contracts and then provides a test on how well the student has learned and then predicts how well that student will do in law school. So I think it's a really promising early effort to broaden the pipeline of who may be able to demonstrate their ability to do well in law school.
2: Okay. And then on the other end. Yeah. On the other
1: end, the next gen bar exam is the National Conference of Bar Examiner's effort to sort of broaden what's measured on who's ready to practice law. The traditional bar exam is very much like a law school exam. Cram in lots of information. You answer it in essay or multiple choice form, and it isn't really related to your performance as a lawyer. The next gen bar exam does a better job, I think, of assessing how well you do at the tasks that new lawyers actually do. So I think it's likely to be a better bar exam than the traditional exam. Meanwhile, a few states are experimenting with pathways to bar admission that don't even involve a bar exam at all. So, for example, Oregon recently authorized the admission to practice of people who have an apprenticeship program, properly supervised, where they produce a portfolio of work. And then the bar examiners basically examine the work that the student has done and and assess whether it's of a high enough quality that they ought to be licensed to practice law. I think that's the most exciting and promising thing out there on the landscape right now.
2: Interesting. And if you didn't hit that bar, you could try again?
1: You could try again, or you could take the traditional bar exam as well.
2: Oh, either or.
1: Yeah. Okay.
2: And are we looking at that here in in Florida? Uh,
1: Short answer is no. Florida is not one of the more progressive states on these kinds of things. And it is not indicated that it's interested in either the next gen bar exam or any kind of alternative pathway. I hope that changes. you know, but it's going to take time.
2: Right. And our students that are taking, let's say, the New York bar, will they have the option to take next gen?
1: Yeah. I don't believe New York has said what they're going to do yet, but the uh, National Conference of Bar Examiners has said that the old bar exam is going to sunset in, I forget what year, 2027 or nine. Mm -hmm. So states are either going to have to adopt the next gen bar, or they are going to have to develop their own bar exam? My expectation is that most states will adopt the next-gen bar.
2: Well, it's like buying the car in the first model year. You kind of want the bugs worked out. There, yeah, Right, right. Is there widespread acceptance of JD Next uh, and the other programs throughout legal education? And if not, why not?
1: Yeah, so JD Next has been authorized sort of on a temporary basis by the ABA so that any law school that wants to use it just has to ask for permission to do that mm-hmm. meanwhile there've been there was a big study just completed done that Concluded that it is a valid and reliable test with some caveats. So we'll see what the ABA does. But my expectation is that they will conclude that it's totally up to law schools whether they use the LSAT or JD Next or the GRE.
2: And could they say they'll use all three? Or oh, sure, you could, like in options
1: our, in in our case, we allow students to submit any one or more mm-hmm. of those
2: tests okay great so uh, another program that we discussed when we last spoke in season 10 was a priority to launch first-rate distance learning programs so what are the advantages to those and how widely are they welcomed in the legal community
1: what we're doing is we're about we will soon launch master's level online, program, degree programs for non-lawyers. There are tens, hundreds of thousands of people who work in sort of law adjacent fields. They don't want to be lawyers, but they use law in their jobs. And some good number of them some good number of them decide that they want some advanced training and a credential and these degrees have been growing for the last 20 years well over 70 law schools offer such degree programs and we're going to launch in a big way this fall it's going great the preparations are going great uh, our associate dean Beth Os has been hard at work building out the curriculum and hiring faculty. Our faculty has approved it. We've applied to the ABA for what's called acquiescence. We need approval from the university's accreditor, and uh, we're we I expect we'll be all set to go. And uh, ultimately, we'll have several hundred students uh, in. In these programs,
2: and the programs are individually focused. Let's say on contracts or compliance. Are they sort of a, a pathway kind of? Yeah,
1: exactly. They they will. We will have multiple pathways for people who work in different fields. So, for example, uh, compliance. There. Are It's a whole career to be working for a business doing compliance work, and that's going to be one pathway. Human resources is a pathway where lots of people in HR really are applying legal statutes and principles all the time, and we have four or five in mind that we'll offer.
2: Excellent. Cool. Well, I don't want to let you go without... I know um, AI was a big thing at the ALS conference recently, so going back to where does technology help and where will it hurt? And as you were speaking about Oregon's program, you know, that they're producing a a portfolio, how are we going forward using or monitoring the use of of AI? I'm completely
1: convinced that AI is going to have a dramatic, huge effect on law practice and legal education. Uh, The fields that are most, uh, open to or vulnerable to AI, are knowledge-based fields like law. ChatGPT 4 was way better than ChatGPT 3. And a couple of years down the road, I think it's very likely that ChatGPT and other platforms will be able to produce really high-quality legal work. So what that means is that law firms... Are going to increasingly rely on it for cost purposes. And that's going to affect the job market, and that's going to affect how we train students. So it's too early to know with any great certainty what the future is going to look like, except that it's going to look very different than it does today. It's already a major issue in assessing student work, whether you're talking about a paper that a student writes for a course, or in the case of Oregon, you know, if a student is coming forward with a portfolio of projects, how do we know that the student or the graduate did that work rather than re- overly relying on uh, ChatGPT or, or s- some other platform like that. And that's going to be an ongoing back and forth. You know, there are already programs out there that assess whether a piece of work reflects. AI influence or not, and uh, some things will have to be done in controlled environments. I know that a number of faculty members have moved away from take-home exams to back to in-class exams because of these concerns. It's going to be a major focus of discussion, attention, and tweaking and reforming for years to come.
2: We need Paper Chase, the AI edition, new movie. (laughs) Uh, Anything to add in closing?
1: No, I think we covered a lot of great territory. Thanks for having me again and come back anytime.
0: All right. Thanks for joining us. See you around. Thanks for joining us for The Explainer and a whole new season of Explaining. If you enjoy our show, leave us a five-star review with your podcast provider and ask your friends to subscribe. You can always drop us a comment at the explainer at miami.edu. Our show is engineered and edited by Christopher Alzadi with theme music composed by Rady Kim from the Frost School of Music. I'm your host, Annette Ugez. Today's show was brought to you by the 8th Annual Miami Law Class Action and Complex Litigation Forum. The CLE-eligible January 26 event brings together judges, practitioners, and scholars to discuss latest issues in the field. For more information, visit www.law.miami.edu.